Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. We're going to talk about finding the Father's heart, because that's really what, as, fa- as we look as fathers at Father's Day, we look at our fathers. Some of us have had great fathers, some have had okay fathers, some of us had terrible fathers, you know, and there's a lot of that. But what we want to find out is, what's, what's God like as a father? What is it that he really wants to express What is it that he's invited us into? And so I'm going to take us on a little trip today, kind of through the Bible. I have not a lot of time, so I'm going to go right very quickly through these things. And look at what's God like first. You know, we call God the Trinity. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And one of the fundamental characteristics that's given about God in the Bible is unity. He's the three in one. He's three, and this is... People have argued this theology for two centuries, you know, is, is it three person? And there's clearly heresy stuff and there's clearly truth, but we, ha- we have a hard time expressing what does it mean that there is three persons but is one God? But that's what God has called us to is unity in him. And so he is also, because that's his nature, he's invited us to participate in the unity to be with God. And if you go back and look clear back in Genesis chapter 1, Uh, chapter 2, God creates man, and it says he created us in the image of God. So what's the fundamental purpose that God has created us for? It's a relationship, and in that, to reflect his image. So God is glorified when we reflect who he is. This is the nature of God. And then you'll see in the next chapter, Adam and Eve have kids, and he says, go forth and multiply. What's the purpose of multiplying? It's not just, we need more kids. It's God says, I want my image multiplied. I want my glory to go out, to be reflected generation after generation after generation so that people see who I am because they see you. And that's the nature of God and what he's invited us into. So what I want to talk about today is start to look at how is it we walk in the Spirit? How do we get the heart of the Father? How do we get to connect to him? How do we really know him? And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to draw a picture, because I like diagrams. Then we're going to go spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter 7 and 8, because those are my favorite chapters, and that's what I always like to go to. And then we're going to come back and kind of detail this a little more. So if you're to ask, what really is a person? We typically will break it down into three things. We have a soul. Can you guys read this? I'll try to write really big. Right? Can you say that readable? Scream if you can't read that. All right. We have a body... And we have a spirit. And I'm going to kind of detail how each of these work and what the relationship is and all that. All right, is my handwriting legible? All right. 
I'm also going to tell you a little Greek words. The Bible uses a couple of words for these. The word for soul, this soul is really what we'd call our mind or will or emotions. It's kind of the permanent you beyond the body, okay? That word in Greek is psyche or as we call it, psyche, okay? These words will become meaningful as I go through Romans because he uses these words a lot. Uh, the body, there's kind of two words, and this is the important part. There's two words that the Bible uses to talk about our bodies. The first question is, is your body good or bad? How many vote good? How many vote bad? All right, depends. We're going to give us two different words, and that will give you two different answers. The first word that they use in the Bible is called somata. And that would be just how we use the word body. You got a body, you got a somata. What somata you? So we got the other word is a word in Greek called sarx. And this has a special implication of what you'll see in a lot of translations of the word, which calls the flesh. And I'm going to come right back to that after he tell us what the spirit is. The spirit in Greek is pneuma. All right? Which is, guess, anybody recognize that word? I did not hand out pneumatic tools, right? So what, how are pneumatic tools powered? Air. You guys got to yell louder. You don't have to give me amens, but kind of talk, all right? So pneuma is kind of the notion of the wind, the spirit, the air. So that's often used in that. So you'll see that word used a lot as we go through this. Somata is body, sarks is us walking in the flesh. We'll put this together in a second. You'll see how these words get used in e even in English, because this is like psyche, right? So if you've got a disease that's in your head, you have a psychosomatic illness, right? So that's your body is reflecting what your mind is thinking. So there's a couple of words like that. So let's go to Romans 7. Romans is absolutely my favorite part of the Bible. Um, it details really who we are in Christ, what God has done, all that he's accomplished, and so forth. And so let's begin at Romans chapter 7, and let's go to verse 14. And we're going to start seeing these words in use. Actually, let me say one thing first. When we learn about walking with the Spirit, everybody's heard that term, right? Walk with the Spirit. What does that really mean? What it means is our soul, our mind, our wills, our emotion are always, see, we like to think we're in control, right? I'm in control of my life. You're not. You get to pick who is in control of your life. And we can either choose to have the Spirit, this is God living in us, so when we come to Christ, we really have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, all come to live in us. So we can either be led, that is we're listening to what the Spirit is saying, or we listen to what our body is saying, our flesh, which means we see according to what the world sees. Because our body isn't bad, right? It's a good thing that you have sight. It's a good thing that you can hear. Those are all good things. 
But the question is, when we judge, live, and act according to what we see, then we're living by the flesh. Because the, the flesh is deciding what is truth, right? If we live by the Spirit, what we're saying is, what has God said in this situation? That's what living by the Spirit means. So let's go look at Romans chapter 7. He had just said earlier in Romans, he talks about how we're no longer under the law, because he's also speaking to both uh, Gentiles and also speaking to uh, Jewish people in this chapter. But most translations, or it depends your translations, the King James will use the word flesh a lot for where we have sarks. Uh, the New International Version will tend to say sinful nature, but the word is sarks. We have a sinful nature, but they use the word sarks in here. So I'm going to read that. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am, actually the word, fleshy, sarks, sold as a slave to sin. I do not know what I'm doing, for what I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate to do, but, I, but what I hate to do. Did that come out right? <laughs> it's always weird when you read it anyways. I do not know what I'm doing. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sarks, the sinful nature, the flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of my sin at work within my, wretched, within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I find myself in my mind, psyche, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to sin. So in Romans 7, basically he's describing a life where I am controlled by this. So this is really Romans 7. This, over here, we're going to get to is, we're going to talk a lot more in Romans 8. And then we're going to give a few more examples in here of where this is in the Word. So... Chapter 8, we just went through a crisis, right? I'm stuck. What do I do? I've got all this flesh. I've got these problems. I don't know what to do. I'm trapped. How do I get out of this? He goes to chapter 8, and he just says, Therefore, he just, that's it. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So I've been brought over to this other side. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by our sarks, 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of Sark's man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to our sinful nature, but according to our spirit. So here's the exchange that happened at the cross. Jesus said, I will take away your sin and I will put on you my spirit. I will come to dwell in you and live in you. Now here's part of the problem. Last week, no, two weeks ago, Josh talked about some of the paradoxes in Scripture. And this is one of them because Paul says two different things. He says, we were crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. He talks about reckoning ourselves dead to sin. And so what he's really trying to say is, in this realm, reckon yourself that that's dead, that that is no more. But then here's the paradox. Sure seems like we have flesh. <laughs> it sure seems like it's there. Yet Paul says, it's dead. It's been crucified with Christ. How do I reconcile those two things? And I tell you, here's how it works. By faith. Over here, how do we live crucified with Christ? By faith, which means I have to reckon in my mind by faith that the true reality of me, the great reality is that stuff is gone. That is no longer my identity. That's not who I am. How do I sin? I forget who I am. I forget that this is my nature. This is who God says I am. And what happens is I walk back into this. And now faith, I'm going to give you a different word. You know what the opposite of faith really is? I mean, we can call it unbelief. But if we use sarks, the flesh is our example, the opposite of faith is sight. Because faith is seeing according to what God has said Sight is seeing according to what I see. Because here's, let's get an example. What happens if you lose your job? You get laid off. A bad thing happens in your life. Well, according to the flesh, I see oh, I have no income. I have no job. What am I going to do? The flesh starts squirming and saying, we have a problem here. But what does faith say? And I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use an example of this aisle. We're going to call this the path of the flesh. You guys aren't the flesh. I'm not blaming you. The aisle is the flesh. And if I can walk in the flesh and I walk this way, I'm going to panic. I'm going to start worrying. I'm going to start squirming. I'm going to have a problem because I don't know what to do. Now, by faith, this gets to be the faith aisle. By faith, I have to say what God says. What does God say? He says, I'll provide for you. I will meet your needs. You have all these promises. In fact, whoever got those books, I just, we just handed out. We're going to have a lot of promises in there about what God says for his provision for you. But we have to know those, right? 
Because if I don't know the promises, how can I walk by faith in them? Right? Michael, every week, says, Pastor Michael says, go to the prayer meeting, go to community groups, study your Bible, do those things. Now, a lot of people think, if I do that, that's what gets me from here over to here. And that's not quite right. What it is, is that's what helps keep me encouraged and walking in the Spirit. I don't get brownie points for going to Bible study. I don't get brownie points from God, and he doesn't say, okay, you're holy now because you went to Bible study. It's when I study his word, I get to see his faithfulness of who he is. When I pray and spend the time with him, I get to know who he truly is, and so now I can walk in faith according to what he has said. So I'm either going to every moment of every day I either say, am I walking according to what the Father says, or am I walking according to what the flesh sees and comprehends? And so let's go through a couple of more words up here on this. If we compare these two sides, you're going to see this idea over and over again throughout the New Testament. If we're walking by the Spirit in faith, that's going to be obedience, right? Because we have all of the book of James talks about faith without works is dead. And I know we get some people get arguments over is it all faith or do you have to have works and all that. The whole point of the book of James is if you don't do squat, you're probably not believing God. If, what, if nothing results in your life from what you say you believe, you probably don't believe and in fact, he goes on in James, like he says, you know, if any of you ask wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously without finding fault. And when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, for he who doubts is like of the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man is double-minded, unstable in all he does. Guess what that word for double-minded is? It's die, as in two, die suki. So what's the double-minded man? Somebody who's trying to have it both ways, okay? And unfortunately, I think that's where probably a lot of us in the church struggle, where we do this. We say, okay, I'm going to live for Jesus. I want to walk by faith. And then 10 minutes later, my life isn't all better. All right, I got to work this out in the flesh and start doing stuff. And then we say, ah. Oh, this isn't working. God, help me out. Okay, I got to go over here and start walking according to the Spirit, right? And that's tiring. I just call that the windshield wiper approach. We're just doing this all the time. Back and forth, back and forth, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. And what happens is then we start to doubt God because what's, Jesus uses the analogies over and over about seeds, planting, and harvesting, right? If I come over here and plant a seed of faith... Does it take time to grow? It does, but usually what happens is we start picking in the dirt and going, how come it's not growing? We say, God, fix my life. I need to trust you now, and a day passes and my life isn't fixed. Well, I better go over here and start taking it my own way and doing my own thing. And what we call this going back and forth, actually ideally going here to there, is really the act of repentance. Okay? 
Are you walking by flesh? You're walking by faith. So what's sin? The Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. So we're either living in faith or living in sin. And I think a lot of times what we want to do is label stuff as sin or not sin so that we can have a checklist and just say, well, I'm not doing the, the sin, so I'm okay. Well, if you're not in faith, you're still not okay. You need to be in faith, walking in dependence on the Father, listening to the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to ask some questions, and here's num answer number one, okay? Listen, if I can write nicely, to the Holy Spirit, okay? So if I ask you a question and say, how is it we find the Father's will, you'll say, right, okay? So that's, this is my primary answer to all my questions we're going to ask today. So let's go back to look at what repentance looks like. See, we flop around a lot, and the word repentance actually derives... Our English word derives from a Latin word, which really has nothing to do with what repentance is in the Bible, because it has to do with penance, and then people come up with really goofy things like, I've heard somebody say, oh, it's like pent is the penthouse, and you're going back to the pent. It's like, that's not in there. That has nothing to do with anything. The original word in the Greek is called metanoia, okay? Meta, it's only your meta game if you're a gamer. It's the, straight, it's the thing behind, it's the alternate, it's the other thing. And then noia is really part of the root word for mind. So it means get another mind. Sometimes we say that as change your mind, but it's a little bit deeper. It's like we need to actually place our mind. We need to move to a new mind, which is our old us before we repent, we turn from sin, where's our mind? Our mind is on the flesh. To truly repent, if I'm going to repent, my mind must be on the spirit, okay? And here's where we get in trouble. Sometimes we go do something stupid and we sin. And here's how we solve it. Like I go, I say, Josh, we're gonna do kindergarten. Josh, you're a big dumb head. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm walking in the flesh here, insulting people and do that. What has often, when I was brought up, what I was told is, how do you repent? Well, I have to go talk to him. I have to get all the forgiveness, and then I can get back to God after I've done that. Well, I'm going to propose a little bit different timing on this. First of all, for me to sin... To insult him, I had to consciously choose, I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit anymore. I'm going to listen to the flesh, and I'm going to react because Josh said something. So I'm going to react to him, and I'm going to say a mean thing. This is a simple, excuse, a simple example. So what's repentance look like? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to probably say, huh, is that really what, you, what I called you to be? Well, guess what? As soon as I get there, I'm, I'm listening to the Spirit. The Spirit has to say, yeah, you're right. What do you want, Spirit? And then the Holy Spirit's going to say, 
something like, you probably need to go talk to Josh about what you just did. And so this way, I'm operating according to the spirit in resolving the problem. Typically what we do is we make a mistake over here in the flesh and we say, I'll fix it in the flesh so that I can get back to God. And God's not interested in my flesh works over here. He's not impressed with what I'm going to do by the flesh over here. So this is important because God wants to say, get right back here. You need to listen to me. There is nothing you can do apart from me. I can't even repent apart from him. I have to listen to him and go, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. You're right. That's what the Holy Spirit is calling me to. Then the Holy Spirit says, all right, let's take care of some things. You trashed some stuff. Let's talk about how we're going to take care of that. And he'll lead that. And so how do we discover that? Listen to the Holy Spirit. So we always want to be in a place where we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Because that is the heart of the Father, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's, we kind of talk about them very distinctly. And to some degree, they have different ministries and actions. But ultimately, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm listening, I'm spending time with the Father. I'm being led by Jesus. They're all, it's a team effort. They're all there. They're all working together. And I get to be a part of that. And they're always calling me into that. So there's also, you'll see in the Bible, there's a bunch of other things here. You know, this is, if you go read your Bible, this is the new man. This is the old man. You know, there's a bunch of pairings in there. And what you'll see is they're just all the same thing of, are you walking by the Spirit or not? John, 1 John uses a lot of the terms of this is light. This is walking in darkness. And arguably, you can say that's not being saved, but there's good reason to believe either of those. But all of these are ways God is just saying, I want you to draw near to me. To live the Christian life doesn't mean I do stuff, especially according to the flesh. It means I have a relationship with the living God. I'm connected to the Father. And then they say, we're going to work through you. We will produce the results in you. We will make the things happen in your life that you need to do. Now, do I need to obey? Absolutely, Absolutely or I'm not living by faith. Will works be produced out of that? Absolutely. And they're the works of the Holy Spirit, not my works. They're what God wants to accomplish, not what I want to accomplish. Let's go take this intimacy one step further. I should have prepped this early. Can you give me two chairs? And this is I want to talk about how we pray, because I think a lot of times our prayers are kind of weird. And this is, I'm not saying you're praying wrong or whatever. This is just, let's talk about some more effective or less effective ways to pray. I think often when we pray, sometimes 
And again, this doesn't mean you're wrong. It means it may be less effective or less good. We come before God as though God is distant or he's uninterested and he's there and I'm here and I'm trying to convince him of stuff he needs to do. Does that sound a lot like I'm in this aisle? Basically, it's like, I got my ideas, God, and I really need you to do this stuff that I have on my list. And could you do that? And then what will happen is, in order to get God to do stuff, we're going to start doing some religious stuff or things to try to convince God that he needs to answer our prayers, right? Okay, God, I'll go to church more often. I'll donate some money. I'll help the poor. I'll do this, or I promise I'll be a good boy, or whatever those things are, we basically are trying to get God to conform to the flesh. Do you think God's terribly interested in that? No. So we have a problem when we're praying from the flesh. That's our first problem, is we're probably not praying what God's interested. The other problem is we might be praying what God wants, But we're so busy acting in the flesh, God has difficulty answering those prayers because we're wrecking the answer. So we may say, oh, I'm poor, I need money, help me, God. And we do this prayer in the flesh. He's interested in helping you. He's interested in making your life better. But you're busy wrecking your life. And so you're picking up the seeds that you're trying to plant. You're tearing that up. So it's not effective. So now how do we pray to God then instead in a more effective manner? We'll call it praying over here on this side. And again, these are example prayers. This is not you have to do it exactly this way. And it's not you're wrong if you do other stuff. Here's how I like to picture it. Let's move these chairs a whole lot closer. I'm going to spend... 90% of our time in prayer, we should probably be doing this. God, you're amazing. You're really incredible. You pulled me out from that mess and brought me into here. You took me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the dominion of darkness, brought me into the kingdom of the son you love. You have all these promises. Guess what? You need to know the Bible so that you can start saying, you said this. You promised this. You're amazing. You're good. You love us. You're, wow. Worship God. Praise God. This is what we're doing in worship, right? Our worship time should continue into our personal prayer time. Then after we spent enough time praising, and this is, again, order is not necessarily critical. Then I needed to start saying, well, God, what's on your heart? What are you thinking? And maybe even say, you know, I did lose my job, but I know you're going to take care of that, but is there something you want me to do? Where would you like me to look? What do you want me to know in this time while I'm sitting here with you as I go through this difficulty, this trial? What do you you want me to know? What do you want me to learn? How am I going to see you in action? How am I going to see your character reflected in that? And then I'm going to bring up 
other people. Gosh, I got this friend, and you know, you know what their deal is. And what do you think? And then finally, what we get to do is we get to get to go into intercessory prayer. And intercessory prayer is we're going to move our position here. So we've been talking, and we're getting to know the heart of the Father. So the whole time I'm here, it's I'm here to know the Father. God wants an intimate relationship. What do you think, God? What, what, what do you want to do in this situation? Then we get to do something exciting. We're going to turn our chairs, and I get to sit at the right hand of Jesus with his authority. Now, do I have authority myself? No, it says, Jesus says, all authority has been given unto him. Okay? In fact, let me take a fast detour. When people say, I sinned and I gave Satan permission to destroy my life, Satan doesn't have that authority. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you leave your door unlocked and somebody robs you, did you give them authority? No, he never has authority. Now, he's a thief and he's going to sure try, and if you do dumb stuff, He's going to be more successful, and he's probably going to likely damage you. So I need to spend that time with the Lord, because if, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, he will keep me apprised of what the wiles of the enemy are. He'll tell me where I need to look. He'll tell me, is it okay tonight to walk down a dark alley with $100 bills hanging out of my pockets? Usually he might say No. It might be another day he says, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I don't know. How do we find out? Right. Okay, so now we did all this prayer, right? So I spent a whole lot of time finding the heart of the Father. Now, here's what we do next. Jesus says, okay, I have, an assign- I have stuff I want you to do. And he's going to say, I want you to pray these things over these other people. This is intercession. This is where I am aligned with God, praying with God the things that God wants prayed. And guess what? Those prayers get answered. Why? Because that's what God wants done. And God gives us the authority that if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, doing the prayers and the things he wants done, they will get done. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get done in five minutes. We may have to intercede for a long time. There may be things we have to pray for for a long time, but ultimately we are in alignment with what God wants to accomplish. And that's what Jesus really wants us to do, to walk with him, to do the things he's doing and be involved with what he's accomplishing. And what we'll find in that, this is kind of nice to just sit here with you guys like this. Do you guys feel left out over there? I should move a chair over to there. Jesus loves you. Even though you guys are on that side of the flesh, he still, he likes you just as much. And in fact, Jesus actually, he does. He loves us even when we're in the flesh. And he's even with us while we're in the flesh. Sometimes he watches us do the really dumb stuff and goes, are you sure you don't want to be over here? 
And sometimes we close our ears and go, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. I can't hear the Holy Spirit speak, right? But the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's always speaking to us, and part of it is learning to tune and just pay attention. And how do we, how do we find that out? Basically, it's practice. Listen, you know, if God says, if you hear in your head, go help that guy out. Be nice. Just say something good to that person. That's probably the Holy Spirit. If you're hearing a voice in your head that says, kill your mother, that's, that's probably not the Holy Spirit, you know? And this is, again, why do we need Scripture? Because that helps train us into the words, the verbiage, the ways of the Holy Spirit. Because if I don't know what God sounds like, I probably need to read the Bible just so I start having an understanding of what it is that He does. What is He like? What does He want to accomplish? And this is what He wants to accomplish with you. So let's see if we can close up here. What I want to do is invite you guys. In fact, Becky, can you come up here and we'll just have some music. I want to kind of bless us and lead us towards this because here's what's the most mystical, right? I keep saying, listen to the Holy Spirit, hang out with God. And probably a lot of you, probably at least half or more, three quarters are going, what does that really mean? What does that really look like? I don't, I don't get that. And so what I want to do is just invite you, not to come up, but just to sit there in your, in your chair. And I want to start, I'm going to pray some stuff over you, but I want you to start asking God some questions. And you can do it out loud if you want, and you can do it in your head if you want. It's whatever you're comfortable with. The goal here is for you to start saying, God, I actually want to know what your presence is like. Because to be honest, most of us probably don't know what's it like to be in the presence of God. And now am I asking you to always be emotional, filled with touchy-feely stuff? No, that stuff is great. But if we're dependent on it, if we depend that we always are searching for a feeling, then guess what? We're back over here. Sometimes... We just have to go, God, I don't feel you at all, but I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you anyways. I have no emotions. I have no feeling. I got nothing. In fact, I'll tell you, I've actually spoken prophetic stuff, healed people, done all sorts of stuff, but you know what? I almost never really feel the presence of God in a tangible way. Not very often. Once in a while... So don't feel bad if you're not always feeling. I tend to not be the feely type of person. So don't feel bad if you don't feel the presence of God. But I want you to do this. Just say, God, I do want to meet with you. I just want to sit here right now. now close your eyes if you want. You can look at whatever, whatever works for you. God, I just want to spend time with you. I want to know your heart, the heart of the Father. I want to be able to walk with you. I want to be able to enjoy you. I want to be able to delight in you. And Lord, give me that patience that when I don't feel it, when I don't see it, when I don't hear it, to just continue on doing what I know you have called me to do. 
Mm. Father God, I do pray for a special blessing, on, especially on Father's Day, really on everybody, but that we come to know your heart, that we get broken free of all the, the junk we do in the flesh where we're trying to manipulate you, control you, wallow around in our own ways. We have anger. Some people are bitter because they believe they've been abandoned by you. But God, I pray right now that you come to these people. There's over here that there's people that say, God, I feel abandoned. I feel like you left me when I needed it most. And God, I just ask that you come to touch these people. that they would know tangibly the reality of your presence, that you have not left them as orphans. You said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And sometimes, God, we just ask you to give them the explanation even if they need, minimally the peace, that they know the peace that you are there. And if there's things they need to know about it, Lord, I pray that you, you give them a word. And Father, I thank you that this is, this is not something we have to strive this is your desire of your heart is that we walk with you every minute, every day to enjoy you, to be led by you, to worship you, to praise you, to be a part of what the Trinity is doing. And we just thank you for the honor that we have that we get to participate in the very things of the living God and that we get to do that. Thank you, Jesus, that we got to do this. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. Amen. Let me give you a final thing. If, if you feel, if a uh, prayer team, if you want to come up, if you feel like you need to explore this more, if you want to talk to me, the prayer team, whatever, come on up here if you need prayer. If you feel like I've never known this, I don't know who Jesus is. I, I need to know this. Come up here and let us, let us help you with that. And then finally, I should throw this on there. If you have questions and go, Dan, what the heck were you guys talking about? Me and my wife have a podcast. I want you to email us and we'll actually answer your questions. Just send an email to podcast at grace world, okay? Send us your questions, your concerns, and, and what we'll do is we'll either try to get to it today, not likely, but we'll actually do a podcast, and we'll try to answer any questions people have, explore the areas where you say, I don't understand what you're talking about with this, or why do you say that, or whatever things you might have, um, just, just send us an email, and we'll try to answer. We'll answer it directly if you want. We'll answer it on a podcast if you want. But go ahead and um, otherwise you're dismissed. But if you do want prayer, please come on up. And if you're in the prayer team, yeah, come on up here and we'll have somebody here to speak to you. Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website springs.church.